crown his joy. And can I tell you from a pastor's heart, when I think of you, that's what I think. It is an absolute joy to spend time in ministry with you. It's an absolute joy to watch you grow and to watch me grow because of you and see that wonderful interaction as we bump shoulders, not just on a Sunday morning, but as we bump shoulders in ministry. I'm pretty sure that 25 kids and five volunteers are a little closer to each other this morning than they were a couple of days ago. As they bumped shoulders together, as they watched each other be challenged and as they watched them grow And you could see it in Luke. And he looks out and says, they're my pride and joy. They're my jewel. They're my crown. They're my joy. And this pastor to his people, you are my joy. You are my crown. Then he says, now I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Do you know what one thing really robs our joy? Is quarrels among the body of Christ. Now, that never happens here. Like, we all, if if you're new, you have come to a church, none of us ever disagree with each other. We're always, like, we just look at each other and think, you know, I know what you're thinking, and I agree completely. And if you believe me, we probably should talk. Because the reality is, in the circle of influence that we have, in those circles, those relationships that we have, we don't always get along, do we? And here are a couple of ladies who are not getting along. A couple of people that they shared in the gospel message telling And yet they had an issue relationally. And Paul is saying to them, help them get along. Help them to connect with each other. Help them to work through this thing because they are great assets for the kingdom of God. But when you are living in joy, when you are living together in unity, when even a chord that is dissonant, when it settles away from And I'm not talking about the fact that I believe that we at Journey should always be completely agreeing. Like we understand that God's favorite color is green and not blue. Like the reality is God has made us all so unique. And he has made us for harmony. But we all know that there are times when you have to sit on this side of the room because the person who's sitting on this side of the room bothers you so much. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a strained relationship, even within the body of Christ? Now, we all have strained relationships, but I'm talking Christian to Christian. Those of us who know that Jesus is the one and only Savior and the one who died for us and the one who loves us and has forgiven us of our sins, and yet we still can't seem to quite get along with each other. And it robs our joy. And Paul says, help these ladies figure this out. Then he says in verse four, always be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So maybe, quite maybe, 
this disunity can be battled with a sense of joy. He says to these people, be full of joy and rejoice and let everything you do be considerate. And isn't that sometimes what happens within the body of Christ and why it is that we have that dissonance instead of unity? Isn't it sometimes that somebody was not considerate or that you were not considerate? Can you remember the last time you had a little breach in relationship? Can you think what that was? Can you think maybe what happened? And maybe they or maybe you were not as considerate as you need to be. I think that Paul is even encouraging us, even within those breaches, we are to choose to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The command from Paul is that we find joy within that disunity because I believe that the joy of the Lord will bring us back together. Now that doesn't just wash over like a wide brush, does it? There's still work to be done. And some of you understand because the breach in relationship that some of you have is so deep and so long standing that a 20 to 25 minute sermon is not just going to completely eliminate it. But today I would like to challenge us to be thinking what robs your joy? Do you have quarrels among you that are robbing your joy, that are taking out the joy of your salvation? Paul says, in the midst of that dissonance, rejoice. Then he moves on and he says in verse six, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. You know, another thing that robs our joy beside quarrels is worry. Anybody have that? You wake up in the morning and it's awesome and it's 4 a.m. or 8 or whatever it is that your wake-up time is and you hit the floor and things are great and you're feeling wonderful about life and you're happy and you're positive and then you come down to the kitchen table and you see the stack of bills with past due stamped on them. Or before you even get to the kitchen, you've had a fight with your three kids because they won't get out of bed. Or you're in the shower and the weight of the world just seems to wash, not off you, but pile and pile and pile. Any of you ever worried? Have any of you ever struggled with this thing that just seems to just pile on to your heart? And it is one of the things besides quarreling that I believe will rob us of the joy of our salvation. And God tells us through Paul, don't worry about anything. But I love the fact that he doesn't just leave it there. Don't worry, be happy. You were singing the song already. It isn't quite that easy, is it? I've tried to put that song on and just listen. And the song's over and I think, well, I'm still worrying. What does he say? He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. 
I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm almost certain that many of us would say, you know, there's this thing that I was worrying about, and I tried to come up with all the solutions. I tried to think about all the things. I tried, I racked my brain. I even wrote down the pros and the cons, and I worked through this thing, and I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and I worked, and I tried to do this, and I tried to do that, and at the end of the day, I still worried. And if I were to say to you, when during this process of trying to figure out the solution, did you pause and pray? And some of us would have to say, praying not only is not the first thing that I do, it is maybe the very last thing that I do when I'm absolutely desperate. When I've tried everything in my own strength and all of the things that I've thought of have failed to relieve the worry and to relieve that anxiety, and then and only then I get to the point and I think, God, I've tried everything, you need to help me. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. You know, one of the things that really is a pet peeve of mine is how limiting we think, or how limited we think God is. And what I mean by that is there are some people that will come up to me and they'll say, Pastor, you need to be praying for my friend, you need to be praying about this big thing, and I'll, I'll certainly do that, and I don't mind. And then I'll say, well, what about you? Is there anything that I would, you would like me to pray for for you? And a lot of people will say, oh, Pastor, I, I, there's some little things, but I don't want to bother God with that. I, I'm really more concerned about my friend. Do you know what we're saying in that statement when we say, I don't want to bother God with my little issues, I just want to pray for my friend? What a wonderful thing that is that you want to intercede for a friend. But can I tell you today, God is strong enough to deal with your friend's issues and your issues. And some of you you all must have gone to Rally in the Valley and are overtired because that was a perfect place for an amen. Like that was one of those times that like I set you up. I even paused at the right moment and and I'm saying like, we serve a big God and there's nothing in your life that is too small for you to bring to him. Stop saying God can't handle this little thing or doesn't care or wouldn't care because he does. And if it's important to you, it's important to him. And the other side of that is don't say this thing is too big for God, I can't bring it to him. Stop worrying about things. Pray to God and tell him what you need. He wants to hear what you need. He wants to hear from you, which is an interesting thought, really, isn't it? Because doesn't he already know? He's not only strong enough to handle the little to the big things that you would offer him, but he already knows what they are. And so he says to you, tell me what I already know. Now why would that be the case? Tell me what I already know. Every once in a while, someone will come up to us and say, oh, your son is so cute, or your daughter is so cute or so awesome, or your son is so handsome or so responsible or so, and I could go on and on, right? Because I know, but isn't it awesome to hear it from somebody else? Any parent out there who would say, no, 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 actually, they're really, they're ugly. (laughs) You already know, you think your kids are amazing because they are. But it's awful nice to hear it from somebody else, isn't it? Tell me what I know. 
And God in deep relationship and love for you says to you, tell me what I know. I want to hear it again. Tell me. Tell me again. Tell me again what's troubling you. Tell me again what that need is. And do you know why? Because God is sitting there saying, I already know this and I'm already at work, but I want to hear it from you because it is my cherished child coming to me and saying what I already know to be true. And that link and that communion that we have between God when we come before him and we ask him for things that he already knows that we need. But not only do we ask for him, he says then, and thank him for all that he has done. Thank him for all that he's done. So teenagers and young adults, just here's a hint hint for you. When you want the keys or you want money, instead of just saying, hey, can I have the keys? Hey, can I have some more money? You know, it's really awesome just sometime before you're asking, don't even ask for anything. Just come up to, to, to mom or dad and just say, hey, thank you so much for letting me use the car last weekend. And then walk away. And you will watch your parents, probably maybe for the first time ever, be completely speechless. <laughs> mom, thank you so much for like three weeks ago, you gave me five bucks. Thank you so much. And then just walk away. I'm absolutely certain your mother will say, right? Have you ever thought that God actually likes it when we thank him? Now understand the complexity of God goes far beyond the human relationship. But every once in a while, wouldn't it be great to just come to God and say, God, Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for that. Remember two weeks ago, God, you and I talked about this issue, and I know you're already seeing it. I know you already saw it. I know that you already worked it out, but I just want to say thank you. I believe that an appreciative heart drives away worry. And when we ask God for things, we also better be pretty clear to thank him for the things that he's done. Paul relates it and says then in verse seven, then in response to this, don't worry, but pray. Ask God for things. Thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. You see the response to a thankful heart, a heart that goes to God and tells him what he already knows. You will experience a peace that you have never experienced before. And did you notice that what it doesn't say here? It doesn't say, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, tell God what you need, thank him because of what he's done, and then all of your troubles will be solved. Did you notice that it doesn't say that? It doesn't say when you open your eyes, that pack of bills on your table with past due on it, they'll just have disappeared. The promise of going to God and asking him for things and thanking him for what he's done is that we will experience a peace that exceeds all understanding. What robs you of your joy? Is it quarrels? Is it fighting amongst the body of Christ or maybe in your family? Is it worry? 
would you like to receive a peace that goes beyond your imagination, that exceeds your understanding? But he's not done. He says in verse eight, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Quarrels rob our joy. Worry robs our joy. But do you know what else robs our joy? That's that thing I've heard before and I like to keep saying, stinking thinking. Stinking thinking robs our joy. Sometimes we are our worst enemy and Satan doesn't really have to do a whole lot at all in us or to push us or to tempt us. Sometimes it's in our own head and the thoughts that we have, which God tells us to call, to hold captive to the obedience of Christ. But sometimes it's our own thoughts. Sometimes that's the place that I mess me up the most is when I'm all alone with me and the things that I start thinking about. And sometimes those lies of Satan, sometimes that lack of encouragement, that lack of courage, that lack of purpose, sometimes that vacillating thought about what all is real and what isn't real, and in my own head, sometimes I create pathways and pave them gold when in fact they're completely tarnished. How about you? How about your thought life? Has your thought life ever robbed you of joy? I've told you before, but there was a lady in another church that I pastored at. Every time, you say, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm awful busy. Awful, awful busy. That was her every time. Every time I'd ask her, how are you doing today? Oh, awful busy. She'd be the same kind of person that if you said to her, you know, it's beautiful sunny day today. Isn't it an awesome day? Yeah, but it's going to rain tomorrow. <laughs> Are you a half full or a half empty person? Is your cup half full or is your cup half empty? Now, I understand that we have these natural pessimism and optimism leanings, and, and that's, that's part of who we are, I suppose. But there are some people that are so pessimistic that if Jesus himself told them something to be true and positive, they would find the dark lining to the cloud rather than the silver lining. Now, there are other people that are so optimistic that they ignore the problems of reality that are right in front of them. But this is what he says about our thought life. We're to fix our thoughts. You notice he doesn't just say think. Do you know what else he said before? He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. You want to shock somebody, especially if you're, kind of, or if you're one of those natural pessimists? You want to shock somebody? Respond positively right away, one time, instead of negatively. Try it and see what happens to them. You want to get joy back in your life? You want to put a barrier around the robber of joy? 
then focus on things that are different than what you're focusing on right now. In Romans, Paul tells us to renew our mind. That's where real transformation comes. And once again, he tells us that our thinking gets in the way. And then lastly, in this passage, he says, keep putting into practice all the things you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Do you know what else will rob your joy? Quarrels rob our joy. Worry robs our joy. Thought life robs our joy. But not putting into practice what we know to be true also robs our joy. There is deep joy peace and satisfaction in being on mission with God. And there is nothing worse than us feeding ourselves and feeding ourselves and feeding ourselves and being so full of God's word but yet not putting our feet to what we know to be true. All of us know what happens, knows what happens when a pond that doesn't have an outflow but has an inflow. Have you ever seen those ponds? Think about that pond, oh, maybe about the third week of August. There's no outflow at all. There's a little trickle in, and it's receiving, and it's receiving, and it's receiving, but it's not giving at all. What does that look like about the third week of August? It's slimy and sludgy, and it's full of gross growth. It's kind of yucky, isn't it, that stagnant pool? Anybody want to dive into that? Go swimming for a refreshing cool on the third week of August and you look and see this scuzzy pond that you know hasn't let any water out at all. And the reality is for us, our own souls can become stagnant when we just take in and we take in and we take in and we learn and we learn and we learn and we learn but we don't put into practice what we've been taught. And the challenge for us is to grab back these joy robbers. Because then he says, then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you when you settle the story. When you say, as far as it depends on me, I will live at peace with one another. When you say, I am not gonna quarrel anymore. I am going to be a person of peace. When you say to yourself, my first step is not going to be worry. My first step is not going to try to solve everything on my own, but I'm going to go to God in prayer and I'm going to ask him what I need and I'm going to thank him for what he's done. When you say to yourself, I am going to retweak my thought world. And I'm going to stop thinking about all the negative things about why things won't happen and why things won't work and what that person must be thinking because I know what they're thinking even though you don't. And I'm going to start thinking about things that are pure and honorable and just and noble, worthy of praise. And when you say to yourself, I'm going to start putting into practice the things that I've learned. When you do that, there is a peace that exceeds your imagination that will come over you. 
I believe today Paul wants us to know as well that joy is not just something that is elusive and is just out of reach. But joy is something and peace is something to be cherished and protected and guarded. Let's pray together. Lord, as we reflect on this, I pray that you'd help each one of us to really dig deep. God, are are there really relationship issues between me and somebody else that you're pointing out to me right now? And quite frankly, God, it has been robbing me of my joy. It has been robbing me of my peace. And when I think about that person, my stomach sours. And when I think of them, I remember the hurt. Lord, I pray that you would give me the strength to let that go. Give me the strength, God, to live at peace with myself and with others. Lord, today I I pray that you would guard my instinct to worry. God, forgive me of those times where I've tried so hard to come up with the solutions all on my own. when all you wanted was a conversation and for me to tell you the things you already knew and for us to celebrate together what you want to do in my life. Lord, I pray that you would guard my thought process, my thought life. God, forgive me. for the negativity. Forgive me for the things that I naturally think about. Forgive me for for those things that I pursue. And instead of focusing and meditating on you and your purity and the fact that you are praiseworthy, I focused on things far less joyful. And Lord, today I pray that you would help me not just to sit on my spiritual couch and have all these spiritual meals brought to me, but rather I would get up and I would put into practice the things that I know to be true in my heart. Yes, God, help me to continue to learn, continue to speak to me, help me to mature. But help me to put into practice the things that I've seen and heard and learned. Today, God, I choose joy and peace. In the midst of the chaos of life, I choose your peace. In the midst of the struggles, I choose your joy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This song is really a tough song to sing in the midst of trial. When you really get to confess and say, no matter what it is that's in my present reality, it is well 
with my soul. The question for you today, is it? Is it well with your soul? Now God may have told you a fourth or a fifth or a sixth joy robber that's in your life. The question is, what are you gonna do about it? Is it quarrels? Is it relationships right now? Are there relationships that are broken right now that you need to ask God to help you fix? Is it worry? Have you programmed yourself to not go to God first? Is it your thought life? What consumes your mind? One of the greatest practical things to do today is to come to him. Isn't that what he says to me? And isn't that what he says to you? Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn from me, he says. Some of us today need to come before Jesus and just simply say, I want to learn from you. I want to take away some of these joy robbers in my life. Now we understand that up front, it's not like there's some kind of spiritual electricity that kind of dissipates the further back you get. Like that isn't true. You understand that, right? You can make decisions right where you are and you can make deep, life-changing, sustaining decisions right where you are. But I also know There are times when you step out of your comfort zone of where you are in your seat and you come forward and you say to God, Lord, these things you talked to me about today, I want to surrender them to you. And have somebody else come alongside of you and not even have to necessarily say anything to you but who can pray for you. I encourage you today. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, If there are some things I shared today that you're saying, you know what that is, like how did you know? The reality is I don't have to know because God is speaking to you and he wants to bring back your joy. I think we need to do some work today and let's pursue the God of peace.